Good morning to our continuing study of It's Just a Matter of Time. We are really on that page with our lead-in music this morning. And this is a study of Bible time statements as we uh, enter episode number four. We've covered some ground. <clears throat> this being July the 26th, 2020. Um, we have plenty of time yet, I believe, to look at these things. You know, um, we'd like to welcome everyone to the broadcast, of course, and uh, this continuing study. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in Episode 3, and this is concerning the idea of judge and judgment. Um, and, of course, the... Um, the terminology in Christendom is judgment at the end of time, um, which we don't find uh, that concept in Scripture. We hear a lot about the judge and judgment, but uh, some of the other things that uh, men have set in motion do not fit with the Scriptures, uh, the Old Testament or the New. But I know there's lots of books written about it, but we know this phrase, end of time, is a phrase found in the Catechism of the Roman Catholic Church and her denominations. They came from the Roman Church. Um, the, the true faith was alive and well the year before the Roman Church uh, began, and a hundred years before, uh, the faith has always been 
within the world ever since it was delivered on Pentecost by the apostles of Christ. And so we are today, yet still basking in the truth of the faith, regardless of all the other things that have went here, there, and everywhere. You know, this week, probably because I've been thinking so much about this, but I, I had a dream that I'd been invited to teach the gospel and Bible topics to a group in an old church. It was an old white church made out of wood. I remember seeing it. But I was asked a question as soon as I got kind of surrounded by everyone. How long is it going to take? And that shocked me. And immediately I said, you know, I'm going to supply a piece of paper and it's going to have blank lines on that. Uh, The answer to your question will will fill it in as we go along. And I had in my mind that my lessons were, that I was going to tell them that it's going to take all that it takes to go through the scriptures. All that it takes. How do you put an end on these things? How do you put a time on these things? And, and should we? I know we have time constraints. The, these things I know, but we make plans to go forward. You know what I mean? So we're still spending time on it. We're not giving it an end, end, end type of thing. You see, that's what's been done here with these erroneous time statements. Everything is, is uh, delegated to the by and by uh, out there where we don't have to worry about when it's going to occur because we know we'll all be gone. So uh, another thing, as I was thinking about this and, and what they had said, I made another statement to them that there are time constraints. I didn't have any, but... Each person there and all those hearing these words have time constraints till our last breath. You see, we have a time constraint. When we stop, when we're done in this body, we've lost the opportunity to do the will of God. Till your last breath. And... Friends, if that statement doesn't make you feel like you need to help somebody learn the truth, I don't know what would. Because this is a reality of life. Well, what about the teachings of the judgment and the so-called end of time? Well, we know that the Bible knows nothing of any end of time. We hear about uh, last days and uh, end of days and and certain things that had a beginning and an end. But end of time, as it's used, is to dismiss everything else. End of time means everything is gone. And so we've got a concept here that um, we know that we haven't experienced. But it's not the end of time. Now, the Roman church has also set the idea of judgment at the end of time. The Bible has a lot to say about judgment and a lot to say about the judge 
in different places. So as I said, of course, if it's at the so-called end of time, then it's put out there into the by and by. But that's just where the denominations want judgment. Not, not today, not tomorrow. They want it at the end of time. And, of course, time marches on, and they're not all, all concerned about when, when the end of time is. Oh, some of them uh, say we're in the last days, but those sermons keep rolling on, don't they? We read about the last days in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But I believe a careful study of Scripture reveals that the last days and even the last hour did occur within the covenant people of God that is the Jewish people and the Jewish covenant and all that transpired. I'm convinced of that through Scripture. I think to to get started, let's look at maybe who the judge is. You know, we all, people assume that God will judge and and, um, that's a thought and we even find a throne, a single throne in heaven um, uh, but we find other thrones. We, we find judgment is, was a process in, uh, at the end of the age for the Jews. Um, but let's look at the judge. We've got some scriptures here. It's in our outline that you have there uh, that we've provided uh, this, this week, and actually it was on there last week too. But... Uh, let's look at Acts 17, 30 and 31, to start with. This is, of course, the Apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill to the Athenian scholars. and he's, He says this towards the end of his, his, uh, his talk. He says, The times, indeed, therefore, of the ignorance God having overlooked, doth now command all men everywhere to reform, because he did set a day in which he is about to judge the world in righteousness. Through a man whom he did ordain, having given assurance to all, having raised him out of the dead. So we have a judge uh, named here, And we know that we're talking about Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one raised out of the dead. You know, he was the first fruits of the dead, and at this very time, he was the only one raised, that had been raised out of the dead to to never die again. Remember that. This is part of the time frame of this sermon in Athens. So this, this passage shows us certain who the judge is, is going to be for those who are under judgment. Now, by the way, who is going to be judged here? Does that judgment reach out and touch you or I? Does it, who does it touch? Well, obviously, 
we're talking about judgment here of God's covenant people, which would be the Jewish people then living and all that had lived before. Also those that were within the realm or were were, uh, in Christ at that time and would be there when this actually occurred. That's who the judgment is talking about here. You know, the problem with judgment is Christendom doesn't want to talk about judgment. They consider it, as I've been told uh, by other preachers as we enter the building, we don't want any negative messages here. Negative messages are what? Things concerning judgment. (laughs) And on and on it goes in in that way. So um, we got a problem here with, with this. But how about Noah's, uh, Noah's flood that we read about in the Bible? You know who the, the people that raise most of the fuss over Noah's flood are? It happens to be the denominations. They don't like that flood. They don't like the fact that men perished because they had forgotten God. Men perished because they wouldn't listen listen to Noah as he told them what the problem was and what God was going to do. And gave them every chance to correct that problem. Gave them every chance. God never just springs something on you and gives you an hour to, to figure it out. They had years, many years of that. But Noah's flood is a picture of judgment. Of, of God saying, that's all. That's all the offense I will take at this point. And these things were done, but not done to where things would just cease altogether. No, uh, God found Noah, and he was a righteous man, and him and, and seven others were saved to start mankind uh, once again through those eight people, actually through the three sons and and their wives. We have all the people in the world right now. By the way, this kind of touches on the race issue a little bit, the so-called race. We don't have any races. We have one race, one race of men. Uh, I wonder, you know, people are not listening to this. There's one race. We're all, you know, we're all as far away as we can be in a practical sense as first cousins, okay? You got uncle so-and-so, and and that we got three men and their wives, and that's where we're at, folks. All of this race issue is not race. It's just hate. People don't like other people, and people don't like to hear about judgment. And people don't want to be judged, and they don't want to be punished. And I think that, like most folks, they think the passing of time will somehow erase their sins against God. And that's why they like that judgment to be in the by and by. But friends, that's not how things are. Let's look at the other scriptures. I kind of got an order here, so hang with me if you can. Matthew 28. 
We'll talk about what Jesus says here. Matthew 28, we know he's the judge named in Acts 17, but before he was named there, he said these words in Matthew 28 to the apostles. Uh, verse, uh, I'm going to start with 16 through 18. And the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus appointed them. And having seen him, they bowed down to him, and, but some did waver. And having come near, Jesus spake to them, saying, Given to me was all authority in heaven and on earth. By the way, that phrase, the grammar there, makes it very clear that this, this has been given in a previous time. Given to me. Uh, all authority in heaven and on earth that denotes not only the power of, of the heavenlies, but also the judgment uh, upon man. Let's look at, uh, let's go back a little in Matthew 19, verse 28 and 29. Jesus is speaking to the apostles again, and he says, he says this to them, Verily I say to you that you who did follow me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man may sit upon a throne of his glory, shall sit you also upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He said this, of course, to comfort them, because they had just asked him, you know, the rich young man, Jesus said it was very difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven because of the 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 pull he had towards the things of, of earth. And they wanted to know. They, they said they had left everything to follow him, and he said this to them. And he says, he goes on to finish with this, and everyone who left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, for my name's sake, a hundredfold shall receive, and life without end shall inherit now let's look at an Old Testament passage speaking of this passage of course is showing us the end of the Jewish age remember everything in Daniel has to do with the Jewish covenant people long before the end of the age was, was upon them but this was for them, so they would know. And in Daniel chapter 7, of course, in his, one of his visions, verses 9 and 10, Daniel says, And I was seen till that thrones have been thrown down. By the way, that, that phrase means, uh, in the, uh, from the Septuagint uh, defined, that these are seats or cushions that are put within uh, an area to sit upon. And he was seeing them actually being laid out. Now remember, the word is thrones, not just one throne. I was seen till the thrones have been thrown down and the Ancient of Days is seated. His garment as snow is white and the hair of his head as pure wool. His throne flames of fire 
its wheels burning fire. Uh, 9 and 10. A flood of fires proceeding and coming forth from before him, and thousands and a thousand thousands do serve him, and a myriad of myriad before him do rise up. The judge is seated, and the books have been opened. Friends, this is an exact, nearly an exact um, uh, reading that we find in Revelation 20. Now let's look at Revelation 20 right now. We'll read verse 4, and then we'll go to verse 11 through 15. And John the Apostle says, And I saw thrones, and sat upon them, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And the souls of those who have been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and who did not bow before the beast nor his image and did not receive the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand and they did live and reign with Christ the thousand years. Okay, let's jump ahead then to verse 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne. Okay, now this is a single throne. And him who is sitting upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven did flee away, and place was not found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and scrolls were opened, and another scroll was opened, which is that of the life, the dead were judged out of the, of the things written in the scroll according to their works. And the sea did give up those dead in it, and the death and Hades did give up the dead in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. And the death and the Hades were cast into the lake of fire, that is the second death, and if anyone was not found written in the scroll of life, he was cast to the lake of fire. Now, is this passage, let's go back up to verse, see if that phrase, the, uh, another book was opened. Okay. I don't see it there. Uh, in verse 12, another, another scroll was opened? Yeah, ver verse 12. The great and the dead standing before God, and the scrolls, plural, were opened, or the books, if you will, were opened, and another scroll was opened. So there's two things open here. Um, and, of course, both would have a lot of meaning to them. We're not going to get into that today, but the people were judged out of these scrolls, both of them, according to their works. Now, let's go back to Daniel chapter 12, another passage that talks about this very thing that we're looking at right here in Revelation and in Daniel 7. And at that time standing up doth Michael, the great head, who is standing up for the sons of thy people, Remember, thy people are the Jewish people, the Jewish people, not the Babylonians, 
uh, not any other people. The, the main uh, thrust here is the Jewish people. And there hath been a time of distress for the Jewish people. Such as hath not been since there hath been a nation till that time. You know, that's just what Jesus said in Matthew 24. And on the other hand, it's just what Josephus said as he witnessed what occurred in Jerusalem when it fell. Which is uh, uh, quite a thing for somebody like that to say. His perception was, was really quite deep. And at that time do thy people escape. Everyone who is found written in the book. Now here's one reason I think that the the book, the book, could mean the patriarchs and the Jewish covenant people, and the other book may have been those who were in Christ that had died. I don't know that for sure. I'm just making a, a thing here because it does talk about written in the book in Daniel. But also judgment we find is is from this book. So it can't be. You can't do this twice, friends. I mean. This is an event. This is something that is, um, has occurred in, in my understanding, but certainly is being prophesied here in Daniel, and it's even prophesied in Revelation as far as that goes. But the time statements in Revelation make it something that was come to pass very soon. Verse 2, And the multitude of those sleeping in the dust of the ground do awake, some to life without end and some to reproaches to abhorrence of life without end. And those teaching do shine as the brightness of the expanse, and those justifying the multitude as stars to the age forever. And then Daniel is told to seal up, seal up his book. To the what? Time of the end. Because many will go to and fro and knowledge will multiply. That's just what happened. That's just what happened at the end of the Jewish age. Multiple, knowledge multiplying by what? The apostles of Christ preaching the mystery of God and salvation in the name of the Messiah, Jesus. Now, that, that phrase in here about uh, those teaching, uh, the brightness uh, and of the brightness, um, that whole phrase has to do with um, knowledge. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. We'll see that, that word, same word, defined. Um, okay. Um, for receiving the instruction of wisdom, righteousness, judgment, and uprightness, uprightness, for giving to simple ones prudence, to a youth knowledge and discretion. The wise doth hear and increaseth learning, and the intelligence doth obtain counsels. Okay, you, you understand what's being said here? The instructions during those last days, time of the end of the Jews, 
this is what was occurring within Israel in other places. But to the Jews, there was, there was wisdom, righteousness, judgment, and uprightness being taught by the apostles, the evangelists, and the prophets of that day concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, concerning God's salvation. But as had been promised through the Old Testament to the Jewish people, the culmination of the age was at hand, and this was the occurrence of it. I hope you don't forget the idea of the idea of thrones here, because go back in Matthew 19, you know, Jesus is telling the apostles that you will also sit on 12 thrones judging the nation of Israel. That's the, that's the first judgment. And that's what was done to start with. Let's put it that way. Because, as Romans says, uh, not only does the gospel go first to the, uh, the Jew, but also judgment comes first to the Jew. We find that happening in Revelation 20. We also find it discussed in Matthew 19. At the regeneration of all things. That's, a, that's a Revelation chapter 21, friends. When God says, Behold, I have created all things new. That's the regeneration. Why? Because all that had come to pass, all that had been fulfilled, sin that had occurred was now the penalty had been paid and those that were without the remedy were punished for their sins. There came an end, a culmination of the age. Now here's something I want you to consider in this lesson uh, or in, within the, the scripture. You know, we've talked a lot about how the New Testament is a, is a fulfillment of all that had come before within the Old Testament. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul kept saying over and over again that he preached um, and, and everything he taught, I believe his uh, testimony before um, Felix, and I think it's Acts 20, uh, 23. And they were, one, he's testifying that he is, is uh, his message comes from the Old Testament. Comes from the Old Testament. Yeah, that's in um, Acts 23. Let's go to that. I should have written that down. Acts 23, verse... Uh, Let's see, verse 6 or 8. Let's go to 6 or 8. Okay. All right. Let's go, let's go up just a little. Verse 5. All right. Well, it's in this passage. Anyway, he is telling the, the leaders in Jerusalem that uh, what he is teaching is from the law and the prophets. 
according to the law. And, of course, they were living their lives according to the law also. That was the idea. So uh, that was his defense. What I am teaching is from your law, from our, our, uh, our scriptures. And that, friends, has to do with judgment because he taught on judgment. What, what did he teach on judgment? It would have had to have been judgment revealed in the Old Testament. Now, that brings us to a point of nearly making a conclusion here about judgment. And I'll tell you why. Because if, if judgment is based on the Old Testament teachings, then it must be accomplished by A.D. 70 according to the Scriptures. Let's look at Matthew 5, uh, verse 18 again. Matthew 5, 18. What does Jesus say here to the apostles? We went over this Scripture many, many times, but he says, For verily I say to you, till that the heaven and the earth may pass away. That is all that is Judaism. One iota or one little tittle may not pass away from the law till that all may come to pass. You see this end of the age, as Jesus is speaking of here, also brings to it judgment and the end of judgment, the completion of judgment in that day for those people. I'm not saying, friends, there's no judgment upon us coming. But remember, we, we have everything in Scripture that will judge us. As Jesus said to the Jews when, during his ministry, I've come not to judge you. He could have easily judged them, and he did make reference to a number of things that made them feel they were being judged. But he said, I come not to judge but to save. But you have a judge. Every word that I have spoken to you will be your judge at, in, the day of, in the day of the Lord. The event, the parousia, the end of the age. Was that fair? I think so. Because he was sent by God. So speaking uh, of judgment, uh, Brother Dawson, uh, whose book that we're getting some of this information from, at least uh, the headings here, um, makes a plea for us to study Deuteronomy 32 to find the foundation of the sources of judgment theology, if you will. And uh, chapter 32 of Deuteronomy is an interesting passage. It's known as uh, the Song of Moses, if you will. Uh, you know, we have some songs in there. We've got the Song of uh, Miriam, that the sister of Moses uh, sang a song, and her words, she was a prophetess. Uh, after they crossed the Red Sea, she had a song to sing. You know, those songs weren't just delivered once and then forgotten. They sang these songs. They, they, they recited these words. Over and over and over again, this is th these are the things that they sang. That's what the Psalms are about. M many of those are songs that the Jewish people 
sang amongst themselves and even to themselves as way of encouragement. So that's the song of Moses. The concept is he delivered these words for the song and they were to remember them and recite them. I think it's very, very interesting uh, that that was the concept. And, and when we look at chapter 32, you're going to see um, <laughs> that a lot of these things that are said in there, I think you'd, you'd want to remember them. It's the good, bad, and the ugly, if, if you want to put it in our words. But they all need to be remembered because you have a clear way to go. The Jewish people had a clear path set before them. And if they would stay on that path, stay on, on, on God's terms, they would have had a much different experience. Unfortunately, they did not. So this passage in Deuteronomy and the other issues of judgment within the Old Testament is where that Jesus, uh, during his preaching, and, and John the Immerser, and the Apostles. This is how they defined coming judgment was from the Old Testament. Let's look at James chapter 5. Just a couple verses here. Then we'll get to Deuteronomy. Because James is another one that speaks of judgment. Being an inspired writer, of course, this is James the Just, the uh, half-brother of uh, Jesus, the son of Mary here. Uh, James 5.3, he's speaking to, the, of course, those reading the letter. Your gold and silver have rotted, and the rust of them for a testimony shall be to you, and shall eat your flesh as fire. Ye may treasure in the last days. I wanted to read this first because of the issue of the last days. It was the last days. For the people reading this letter from James, friends. Okay, let's go on to verse 7 and 8, where he speaks of the judgment coming uh, for these folks. And, and all, all the folks. Be patient then, brethren, till the presence of the Lord. You see, that's, that's usually called the coming, or at the coming of the Lord. But the Greek says, till the presence of the Lord. That's the event, the parousia, the day of the Lord. Lo, the husbandman doth expect the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient for it, till he may receive rain, early and latter. And verse, um, verse 8, Be patient you also, establish in your hearts, because the presence of the Lord hath drawn nigh. In other words, it's at hand. His presence is at hand. How can you say that he was talking about the by and by here? I don't I don't think that's a logical logical thought. That's not the word mellow there, uh, which means about to be. But we don't need it there because Normally, every place that we talk about the presence of the Lord, it's the word mellows involved, about to be. Um, so this is half drawn nigh. See, when something draws nigh, isn't, that, isn't it 
everything's been accomplished and all of a sudden there it is, the conclusion of everything. It's drawn nigh right before them. That's where they lived in, uh, in AD. Uh, this was in the, uh, nearly the mid-60s here for James, the writing of James. All right, let's look at De Deuteronomy 39. Now let me say something about Deuteronomy 31. Because Deuteronomy 31 is Moses warning. He's giving all sorts of information here about the fact that he is going to die. He would not go over to the promised land with them, but Joshua would lead them. And, and all of these things, this information. But he also goes on to inform them. Let's look at Deuteronomy 31, 10 through 13 to start with. And then we'll go to the first verse and the first and third 32 10 through 13 and 31 and Moses commanded them saying at the end of seven years in the appointed time the year of release in the feast of booths in the coming in of all Israel to see the face of Jehovah in the place which he chooseth and they didn't even know where that was yet Thou dost proclaim this law before all Israel in their ears. They would, the law was to be read to all Israel again every seven years. Um, verse, verse 12. Assemble the people, the men and the women, and the infants, thy sojourners who is within thy gates, so that they hear and so that they learn and have feared Jehovah your God and observed to do all the words of this law and their sons who have not known do hear and have learned to fear Jehovah your God all the days which you are living on the ground whether you are passing over the Jordan to possess it in other words this starts now every seven years um, and then in uh, 32 the first four verses I'd like to read them to you. This is how he begins this, this song. Remember, this is a song. Put to music, and they would sing these things. Attend, O heaven, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words out of my mouth. By the way, you see the terminology there again of heaven and earth? Were they singing this song to the ground under their feet? In the, in the sky above their head? No, this is for them. This is who they are, heaven and earth. Hear the words out of my mouth. Let my speech be looked for as the rain, and my words come down as dew, as the shower upon the herbage, and as the snow upon the grass. For I have called on the name of the Lord. Assign your greatness to our God. As for God, his works are true, and all his ways are judgment. God is faithful, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Just and holy is the Lord. You see, this is a praise towards God. This is Moses using these words that have come from heaven 
to describe the God of the people of Israel. This is how they were to think of their God. And because of these things being true, because of them knowing these words, you see why you'd sing this? You see why you would reread this over and over again? So that you know who God is. And in doing so, you can do nothing less than praise Him. Praise towards God by His people. So, let's look at Deuteronomy then. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read the sections I think are the most profound. This section is uh, verse 6 through 14. And it's about remember the promise. Remember the covenant. 6 through 14. <clears throat> these are these things you need to, to think about over and over again. That was the idea for these people. Do you thus recompense the Lord? Is the people thus foolish and unwise? Did not he himself, thy father, purchase thee and make thee and form thee? Remember. There's the word. Remember the days of old. Consider the years for past ages. Ask thy father, and he shall relate to thee. Thine elders, and they shall tell thee. When the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. And his people, Jacob, became the portion of the Lord. Israel was the line of his inheritance. Let's read that again. And, the, and his people, Jacob, that's the twelve tribes, became the portion of the Lord. Israel was the line of his inheritance. He maintained him in the wilderness, in burning thirst, and a dry land, he led him out about and instructed him and kept him as an apple of his eye. As an eagle would watch over his brood and yearns over his young, receives them having spread his wings and takes them up on his back. The Lord alone led them. There was no strange God with them. This was something that really needed to be said over and over again. The Lord alone led them. Verse 13, he, he brought them up on the strength of the land. He fed them with the fruits of the fields. They sucked honey out of the rock and oil out of the solid rock. Butter of cows and milk and of sheep with the fat of lambs and rams of calves and kids, with the fat of the of kidney of wheat, and he drank wine, the blood of the grape. And verse 15, So Jacob ate and was filled. All Israel ate and was filled. And the beloved one kicked. That's the first verse of the next section we're going to read. This section 
in chapter 32, verses 15 through 20. This is now going to enumerate, if you will, the penalties of faithlessness. The penalties of faithlessness. Let me read it again. So Jacob ate and was filled, and the beloved one of God kicked. He grew fat, and he became thick and broad, and he forsook the God that made him and departed from God's, God his Savior. Verse 16, They provoked me to anger with strange gods, with their abominations. Bitterly, they bitterly angered me. They sacrificed to devils and not to God, to gods whom they knew not and knew, and fresh gods came in whom their fathers knew not. Thou hast forsaken God that begot thee, and forgotten God who feeds thee. And the Lord saw, and was jealous, and was provoked by the anger of his sons and daughters and said, I will turn away my face from them and will show them what shall happen to them in the last days. For it is a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faith. Remember what God is, God is saying in the last days. The same last days we read about through the New Testament and the old as far as that goes. And remember what Jesus, or what uh, the Apostle Peter said in his first sermon in Jerusalem. Save yourself from this perverse generation. Quoting the scripture, quoting the very words of God. They had become faithless. Many had rejected the Savior. We are out of time today. I'd like to go on with the final thing, but we'll pick it up next week on this idea of judgment in chapter 32. But then I want to move on to the next one, and maybe the last one in this series, uh, the idea of the destruction of the universe in the so-called end of time. <laughs> so we're going to find the same issues, uh, of course. But... Remember this, we'll get back, we'll finish up in Deuteronomy 13 next time that we come together. We pray you have a wonderful Lord's Day, and be well until we meet again, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.